What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. It's Chrysomania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Oh, Those are powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Hello, my friends, and welcome to another audio adventure on the Chris Van Vliet Show. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online and Indeed and You know those situations where you meet someone and you think they're going to be one way and then they're the complete opposite? That's kind of what happens when you meet James Ellsworth in the best possible way. He's such a good dude and so charismatic. And there's a lot in this conversation that I know you're going to love. Take a screenshot, share it on social media so we can both say hi. Tag us. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. James is at James Ellsworth Wrestling. And I can't thank you enough for listening right now and for helping to make this one of the top podcasts in the world over the last week. Man, it's always it's always so cool seeing this show on the Apple Top 200. So thank you for that. Also, Spotify put out their 2020 Wrapped, which is, well, if you listen on Spotify, you know what I'm talking about. It's basically your year in review of all the songs and the artists and the podcasts that you listen to. And I was blown away by how many people's lists that I was tagged in. So thank you. And it also shows you like how many episodes you binged. And like people were tagging me. They binged five episodes in a day, 10 episodes in a day. I, I can't believe that. One guy, one guy tagged me. He he binged 12 episodes in a day. That's like listening like every <laughs> waking second of the day. So man, thank you so much. I'm so, so grateful to be able to do this. And I mean, it goes without saying, but I could not do this without you. So thank you. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please keep those reviews coming in. And I'm going to keep reading them on every episode. This one's from Corey Snelson, who titles it CVV, the man, the myth, the inspiration. Hands down, my favorite podcast, favorite host. Vague goals get vague results from the CVV show is written real big at the top of my whiteboard because it's not only true, but an effective way to stay focused. Your conversations are easily digestible and a treat while I'm out making my deliveries. I appreciate your show. And it's a great way to stay positive in such a crazy time through this pandemic. You've inspired me to take action on my goals as well as to launch my very own show, The Room Sound Podcast on music and inspiration to grow and create. Thank you for what you do. Give CVV a TV show. But please don't stop this podcast ever. 
Well, thank you, Corey. Also, nice plug in there for your own podcast. Congratulations on starting it, by the way. I always say there's two things. The two hardest things about podcasting are, number one, starting a podcast, and number two, continuing that podcast. So congratulations on the Room Sound Podcast. There you go. Shout it out twice there. So it was such a pleasure to have James Ellsworth on the show here for this. And did you know Ellsworth, by the way, is his middle name? Yeah. Fun fact. We get a lot of fun facts during this interview. Like, well, you probably thought that his WWE debut was against Braun Strowman. It actually was not. It was not the first time that we saw him on WWE television. Mm -hmm. We also find out that that uh, promo he cut about any man uh, with two hands that has a fighting chance, I kind of feel like that could be his motto in life. Not just for wrestling, not just for matches, but in life in general, because James Ellsworth is the true underdog stories. So please welcome James Ellsworth. You're rocking the Ravens jersey. Who, which Ravens jersey is this? That's uh, the greatest kicker of all time, Ch- Justin Tucker. Wow, not too many people rock a kicker's jersey. Well, he's, you know, he's been our best player on the team for the last 10 years. <laughs> and what does that say about your team? Well, we, we do have the MVP of the league on our team. He's uh, he's out with COVID today, but, you know, we have RG3 as our backup. I'm excited for the game. Comes on another hour and a half, and uh, I'm, I'm jacked for it. <laughs> so you're born and raised in Baltimore, right? Yeah, you know, you ever see the Rocky Balboa movie where uh, Paulie says, uh, you stay at a place so long, you become it? Mm. Remember that line? That's of course. like me me with Baltimore like when I got signed I was like maybe I should like move to Florida and be around everybody and 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 I just couldn't leave I don't know (laughs) it's weird well my dad and I go to a different baseball stadium every single year and Camden Yards is right up there near the top that is such an amazing stadium and I think one thing that people don't know about it is when you're walking outside of it they've got these little plaques of all the places that the home runs have been hit out of the stadium. Yeah. And I was just blown away. We had, we weren't even in the stadium yet. And I'm like, I love this place. It's the best, man. I've been to Wrigley. I've been to Fenway. I've been all the, and I'm maybe I'm a homer, but Camden Yards is awesome, man. It's the best ballpark in the league bar none, I think. So you, so who was James Ellsworth before we got to know you through WWE? Who were you growing up in Baltimore? Well, man, I was definitely a wrestling fan my whole life. I've been watching wrestling since I can remember. I was an Orioles fan. I was a Ravens fan. I'm, I'm still the same. Like, I haven't changed at all, man. Like, I, I still love football, still love baseball, still love wrestling. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Baltimore. I didn't really grow up in too nice of a neighborhood, but I um, kind of fought it through and became friends with the big kids. Was smart. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, just, um, yeah, man, just had a love and a passion for just wrestling and always wanted to do it. That that was me. I was that kid that just talked about wrestling, loved wrestling. And, you know, I'll, I'll be 36 here in two weeks and it's still the same. Yeah, so we're about the same age. What was your, I'm 37, what was your first exposure to pro wrestling? Well, I remember my first house show I ever went to was Right after Savage won the um, the WWE title, WrestleMania four, and they, he wrestled uh, Ted DiBiase at a house show for the title. Yeah, he won. He beat Ted DiBiase in the finals of that tournament, and I that's my first memory of going to wrestling. 
was that. And I have pictures somewhere. Um, I got to find them of like my grandfather. He took me and the pictures of Savage holding the title up and everything. Really cool. So that was probably what, 1988, 89. Yeah. That's man. That's a long time ago. So who were the people you were? Were you a Savage fan? Oh yeah. I like, you know, when he would get on the top rope and point to the crowd, I'm, I'm four years old. I'm like, Oh, he's pointing to me. He's pointing to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Who wasn't a fan of the macho man? He was, he was the best, the best. Yeah. So when you say you made friends with bigger kids, were you always the small kid in school? Oh, absolutely, man. I, you know, to this day, I'm 5'8", 170. And, you know, the average person in WWE is like 6'1", 220, which, you know, because I, I asked when I got there, I was like, what's the average size guy on the main roster here? <laughs> yeah, I'm about 6'1", 220. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, growing up, man, I was always the small kid in class. Uh, it's, you know, stuff like that. I, I got used to it after a while. Like, if it got to the point where, if I went into class and there was a smaller kid than me, I'm like, he's stealing my spot. Like, that's my spot. <laughs> <laughs> were you, I mean, with that said, were you also like a late bloomer? Um, yeah. So when I started wrestling in 2002, I was 17. I just graduated high school. I was fresh out of high school. Four days after I graduated, I started wrestling and I was, I, I think I was five, six, 125. So since then, I've gained 50 pounds and two inches. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and it was always like that. Like my daughter, um, I think she's going to be short. Uh, um, you know, she's five. Well, I have two daughters, eight and five, and a five-year-old. Uh, I think she's going to be short like like her dad. <laughs> you know, when you talk about being small growing up and being a wrestling fan, it's not like there were a lot of small guys to look up to. I mean, they considered Shawn Michaels small, but, I mean, compared to you, Shawn Michaels is quite a bit bigger. Yeah, Shawn Michaels is probably in those days still six one, you know, still six foot, and probably at least two hundred and six seven pounds, you know. And I know I've read an interview somewhere with him that you know the Intercontinental Title days when he was first the Intercontinental Champion and wrestling all those early Rawls in the Manhattan Center, he was like almost two twenty, like because he put on a lot of weight, was eating a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, he's still in the 200s. I've never seen 200. And if I do, it might not be a good 200. <laughs> <laughs> what they what they say when you wrestle it with your gut stuck out more than your chest? No, yeah, yeah. I don't, it's, it's not like that anymore. But, I mean, yeah, I think I, David Otunga said that. I can pretty much remember everything I did there, which is crazy. But, yeah, David Otunga, he was great on commentary. I, I wish he would come back and do more commentary because I thought he was really good. And anytime they said stuff like that, it was actually – helping my character. People are like, man, they're really bashing you. I'm like, no, they're making people feel sorry for me. Like JBL, I mean, tore me apart. And we would just laugh about it in the back. And I would tell him like, man, thank you. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you get it, huh? You get that, I, you know, me making funny is making people feel sorry for him. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then he would ask me, James, do you have any good digs at you at yourself that I can set you on the air? And I'm like, oh yeah, man, just say I'm a, I look like a garden gnome that got ran over by a lawnmower. I don't care. And he would just laugh. <laughs> I, I don't, I just, I honestly, man, like I'm so positive and just like to have fun. I don't care what anybody says. I just have a good time, you know? So if you're five foot six and 125 pounds, when you're getting into wrestling at 17, what makes you go in your heart? I know I can do this thing. I just, you know, it's weird. Like I just never thought I couldn't like, I just, I guess cause I loved it for so long and watched it 
like for so long, I just, it never like even crossed my mind. Like, Hey, I might be too small for this, or I might not be as athletically gifted as a lot of these guys trying to make it to the top. Or I might not even be like as GQ looking as a lot of these guys that are trying to make it to the top. And it never occurred to me like until after I made it, I'm like, Whoa, like that, everything started to slow down. I'm like, how the hell did I just do that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know, it, yeah, definitely it was a hard, long road, but I enjoyed every minute of uh, trying to make it there. So for you, it was the journey. The journey was the process, the process of getting there. And you're like, look, if I train and I step into the ring and have a match, I mean, I can check that right off the list. I am now a pro wrestler. That's right. Um, and yeah, like I tell people, I compare myself a lot to the movie uh, Rudy. He just wanted to play for <laughs> Notre Dame, right? He, he, and he did all he could. He learned football so well. He, I mean, he perfected, you know, un- the understanding of football, but he was small, way smaller than everybody. Didn't, you know, didn't have the height, didn't have the weight, didn't have the speed, but he had the smarts and it got him on the team and he wound up sacking the quarterback, you know? So that's, I compare myself a lot to that movie. When you started out, was the plan, I, I just want to be a wrestler, I just want to have a match, or was the plan, I want to somehow get signed to WWE one day? I always just wanted to get to WWE. Wow. That, I mean, I, you know, I, I was on the Indies for 14 years and I really enjoy performing first and foremost. Like, I don't care where it's at. I, I you know, cause you know, I've been at WrestleMania now, been in Madison Square Garden. I've also performed in barns in West Virginia in front of 25 people, you know, so, <laughs> but I always, it doesn't matter where it's at. I always enjoy going out there and performing. It just, I, I love it. But yeah, like go back to your question. The goal was to get to WWE 100%. What, at what point in your life did you start to embrace, you know, who you were, the way you looked, the fact that you were a little bit smaller than other people? Because kids are not nice. And I can imagine that you probably got bullied quite a bit when you were younger. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I did, but I always like, you know, barked back at them or fought back. Like I never, like people say, oh man, it's sad. I got bullied when I was growing up. And I'm like, well, what did you do about it? Like I stuck up for myself. It didn't matter. Like, how big the person was or what they were saying. Like I would fire back. And most of the time you'll find if somebody is cracking on you, calling you small, calling you ugly, calling you whatever, and you give it back to them verbally, they're, they, they're not used to it first and foremost. And then they yeah. kind of just, they leave you alone. And then, you know, unfortunately sometimes it does come to blows, but if you fight back, even if you lose, they respect you more coming out. You can't let people pick one. You can't, no one, should let anyone put them in a position they don't want to be in. And I, I just never let that happen, man. I, I didn't. <laughs> it's funny to talk about. Like, I'm not a tough guy or anything, but I just, I never, because I, I always thought that was just wrong to do that, put people in positions they want to be in. When I would see other people get bullying, I would kind of butt in and start ragging on the bully. Like, I, I don't know. That's wow. the way I, it was for me. So at what point in your life did you accept, like, this is it? You know, this is... You know, this is what my chin's going to look like. This is how I'm going to be. You know, I didn't realize the chin thing until WWE. I, nobody ever <laughs> said anything. I mean, like, I, I've got, you know, when I was nine, I kind of got mauled by a dog. I don't know if that had something to do with it. <laughs> but, like, I, I, um, it's funny. Nobody ever mentioned anything about my chin until WWE. Wow. Well, that's, that's great because then you're an adult, then you can like own it and embrace it rather than this being like this baggage that you carry for so many years. 
Right. Yeah. Like I said, I owned everything they were saying. Like, I just laughed at it because, um, you, you know, I, like I said, you got to just laugh it off. And life life goes on and, you know, life's too short, man. You got to be positive and you got to have positive thinking and you got to, you know, don't waste days. I like to say, don't waste days thinking about what people say about you or what they, you know, stuff like that. It, it, it's nothing that should uh, ruin your day. Is what I'm trying when to say. You- when you were in high school, was the plan, I'm going to be a pro wrestler and there was no backup plan to this? I still don't have a backup plan. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like, you know, so coming out of high school, like I said, I, I signed up for wrestling school. I would, you know, get get jobs to, you know, take care of myself because I've been taking care of myself since I was 17 years old as well. Because I, I had to move the wrestling school in Baltimore was... Um, like an hour and a half away from where my parents lived. Cause so I slept on my grandfather's couch or my aunt's couch or my girlfriend at the time's couch or something, you know, just to be near the wrestling school. And then, you know, I, I got jobs, you know, like when I worked at the room store, the furniture store, Burlington coat factory, then I started working with people with special needs. And I kept that job for eight years before I uh, got signed to WWE. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that you worked with kids with special needs because I just interviewed Eugene and we had a fascinating conversation about, you know, what Eugene meant to that community and also, you know, how it could be a bit of a controversial character. I'm really interested. You worked with them for eight years. What's your take on Eugene? Well, now Eugene, so Nick Densmore, he played that character great. And I remember um, a couple of years before I got signed to WWE, I rode with Eugene a little bit to indie shows and he would say that that character was special wouldn't use the r word ever and i respected that so much because coming from that line of work i was like wow he gets it he understands it. he's not only here poking fun at anybody he's like you know a lot of them are wrestling fans so that's what i got from that character like this is just a special needs uh person that's a wrestling fan that's what that character was it's like wow like triple h was his favorite wrestler which is hilarious to me because triple h was a big heel at the time and that to me that was my favorite ug moment when the rock was like who's the most electrifying man he said the rock who's the people's champ said the rock who's your favorite wrestler of all time and he said triple h i'm like (laughs) god this is great like i you know, it, it's a shame because the, the world is so sensitive now. And, and to me, on my humble opinion, not rightfully so, you probably couldn't do that character anymore. Right. And, and yeah. it's a shame because he was amazing. And I'll never forget that character. So entertaining. I'm sure the interview went well with him, but he, he's well aware of um, what that character should have been and how it should have been portrayed. And he did it. I think he did it very well. Yeah, he embraced the character and he talked about how like when you're given an opportunity, you either take the ball and run with it or maybe you'll be sitting on the sidelines. Maybe you won't even have a job. And yeah. it's, it's similar situation. Uh, Hurricane described that to me. Chavo described that to me with his Kerwin White character. And it's like, you know, you just got to take it and you got to run with it. Right. Yeah. It's, you got to realize it's just a show. I mean, there, there was stuff like I enjoyed 99.9% of my run there and the stuff I was doing. But like there was a time where they were doing something and I just didn't get it. And I, instead of just not getting it and questioning it, I should have just embraced it more and just went for it. Cause it's just a show, you know, this yeah. guy, man is your boss and it's his show. It's his company. Yeah. And he's paying you very well to, to, uh, to do this job and you just go ahead and do it. Then if it, you know, if you get up a hundred percent he'll notice that. And if it don't work, you'll move on to the next thing. Like, so that's the way you should think. If anybody's out there listening to this, that's current, 
new superstar or, you know, going to be in the future, just whatever they give you to do, just do it 100%. And, yeah. um, you know, he'll, he'll understand and realize that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that people understand it as a television show. You know, if right. you were on any network television show and they gave you your script, you wouldn't go, my character does not do that. You just be like, well, that's what, that's what's written for me. So I'll yeah. do that. All right. Well, that's, that's where wrestling's so weird and, and different from other <laughs> television programs. Cause like we, I think a lot of us live in this world where like wrestling is a sport. Cause it's not, you know, yes, it takes athleticism and, and um, all that. And that that's the sport to it, but it, it, it's a TV show. Every wrestling show is just a TV show. That's what it is. Yeah. It, it's a TV show that does, you know, 52 episodes a year, which is, that's mind blowing to me. And no one else does that. Right. Yeah. And if you add Raw and SmackDown together, that's 104. Then add NXT, that's what, um, if my math's correct, that'd be 150. Well, then you <laughs> event, you know, you just keep adding them on, you know, they're doing, and, and live shows when that becomes a thing again. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very curious to know before you were James Ellsworth, who was pretty Jimmy Dean? Pretty Jimmy Dream. No, was, um, oh, so on the indies, again, I have very uh, bad writing here. <laughs> uh, it's all good. So um, before I was pretty Jimmy Dream on the indies, I was kind of wrestling as Jimmy Dream and didn't really have a gimmick. And you know, you got the small guy, five six, five seven, five eight. You know, one hundred twenty five, one hundred fifty pounds, and didn't have a gimmick. Didn't have much going for me. I was like, man, I need to try a gimmick. Do do something to get myself noticed. And um, my partner at the time, my friend, his name was Adam Ugly. I was like, why don't I be pretty Jimmy and you're Adam Ugly and we'll be a tag team called Pretty Ugly. Pretty Jimmy, Adam Ugly, Pretty Ugly. And I was like, I'll wear fishnets. I had long, stringy, blonde hair back then. I'll I'll just act like I'm the hottest guy in the world, which obviously I'm not. You know? and, and, you know, he was kind of chump, chubby, picked his nose, came out with a toilet seat on his head. I was like, this will be so we did that, man. And everywhere we went, people loved that. And we, we would try to do like some of the top indies. And, and you know, back in those days, like it was very political and probably still is. I don't know. And so we, we would come in and anywhere we would do the gimmick, like the audience would react to it. To me, that's the most important thing. If the audience is reacting to a character or a performer, that performer or that character, regardless who they're friends with in the back and who's politics and who that performer and that talent should get the opportunities. Right. You know, so him and I never got those opportunities with that gimmick. And that gimmick was great, man. Like it was so good of a gimmick. And um, yeah, that's, so that's how that came about. Just I wasn't doing much and wanted to come up with something to, to get myself noticed. So before WWE, you had never wrestled as James Ellsworth on the Indies. No. So James is my real first name and Ellsworth is my real middle name. And I always just thought it was a cool name, Ellsworth. Nobody else really has this middle name. It's, it's weird. And um, my dad is junior and his dad is senior. So I'm the third, actually. And I was, I don't know. I was like, I always said to myself, man, if I get one of those squash matches on WWE, I was like, that's the name I'm going to use. I said mm. that for years, years and years. I was like, that's the name I'm going to use because I can't be Jimmy Dream. They're not, that sounds too gimmicky when you, you know, do a squash match on TV. You kind of have to look like nothing. You got to have, I have enough in name like a popular person on the indies can't do a squash match because yeah, yeah. people know who they are so people in the crowd would be yelling at them you know the 10 percent of you know smart mark fans in the crowd would be yelling their name and people would hear it so to do a squash match you basically have to be like a nothing happened in indie wrestler <laughs> for the most part with nothing in it. and so i was like if i ever get a chance to do that i was like i'm gonna use that name and, and I, I stuck to that 
So it's funny because so many other people that Braun Strowman had wrestled, and we're kind of fast forwarding a little bit here, but mm. they were just the local competitor. <laughs> you yeah. actually had a name. Well, yeah, well, I think it's, a lot of the times he was wrestling two or three at a time, so they couldn't say all their names. And uh, <laughs> man, for, but for, like, you got to think about this, man. For indie guys that don't really have a lot going on to get the opportunity to be on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, like just be on TV so their friends and family can see it, that's really cool. Like uh, the guys that get a little bit of a head afterwards that put themselves a flyer. I've seen on WWE TV or that. Those guys kind of hurt me. I'm like, guys, that's cool. You got the opportunity, but it, you're not a WWE superstar. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, when, um, when was the first time that WWE called you? Cause I think a lot of people know you from that time, the, the squash match with Braun Strowman, but you had done a few other things before that. Yeah. So, well, it's, Back in those days, I don't know how it is now. I don't think they're using extra talent now just because of precautionary reasons for the pandemic. But, like, you, when they come near your town, you just email them. Anybody can do it. Like, email them, say, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. I wrestle in the Indies. Here's pictures of me. Here's a match of mine. Can I come to TV? And a lot of times, especially when they're doing squash matches, they're looking for smaller guys because next to their superstar, the smaller guy makes their superstar look Way more like a superstar than a bigger guy does, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm small. I could probably do this. So I started sending my stuff maybe 2012. And um, yeah, like it took a couple of times. And then I got called a couple of times. They were in like Brooklyn, New York or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania or here in Baltimore or Washington, D.C. or Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, I'd get there and nothing would happen. I'd see other guys do like matches with, uh, you know, whoever. I'm like, man, hopefully I get to do one one day. And um yeah so it took a couple of years the first time i was i did anything on uh screen was with uh i was a rosebud with adam rose i was a cheeseburger that's the first time i seen the crowd i was like oh man this is cool and i remember i put on my facebook and i still have it i just saw it the other day got my um paycheck from my first ever paycheck from wwe so i'm rewinding a little bit i think it was 2012 and I go, man, I wish this was my paycheck every week. And I wrote that in 2012 with a picture of the check, not how much the check was, but sure. just, yeah. And so uh, this, this small stuff like that, like, you know, I sit here, I say, man, I never thought I couldn't do it. Like uh, there's Facebook statuses and stuff like that through the years, just kind of like, I'm um, guessing this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I'm telling you that like, you know, this should be my paycheck every week or it can be or yeah, stuff like that. But you get this boost, you know, after appearing on WWE, even if you're an extra, you get this boost, this this ego boost. You're like, I can do this. I've tasted it. And right. then you got to go back to the indies. You got to go back to your, you know, day job. Yeah. And I'm sure for a lot of guys, that's that's hard. And for me, it wasn't. So I'm like, hell yeah, that was fun. Like, you know, and I went back to my job. Oh, you know, it was cool. I was on Raw. You know, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I just wish I could. I, and I would say, I wish that was my job. Like, yeah, it's cool. I got to do it once or whatever, but I wish that was my job. Like, that's that, that was the goal. It wasn't a goal to get on. My personal goal was never to get on there one time. Yeah. It was to get signed and travel the world. That was my goal. Uh. How did they first, you know, consider you for that spot with Braun Strowman? How did you get on their radar for that? But again, just um, you call them and you get booked. And, okay. Uh, and so anyway, we we get there. This is how stuff works. Every week, we get there. Nobody knows what's going on, right? And I we get and they're saying Braun Strowman's debut tonight. One of you guys is going to wrestle him on Raw. And I'm looking around. I'm like, there's like six guys there, and uh, two girls. Um, 
And then one of the girls was get, uh, was going to get to wrestle Nia Jax. I'll get back to that in a minute. So I'm like, okay, they're going to pick one guy, one girl. There was only two gir- girls there, two or three. But I'm like, man, I hope I get the spot. This might be my sh- shot. So Arn Anderson comes up to us all. He's like, hey, whoever throws the best punch gets the spot. He's like, I'm going to see you guys throw a punch. And he, he pointed to me first. He's like, let me see you throw a punch. And I threw one on one of the other extras. And Arn Anderson just looked at me and he goes, hey, yeah, I don't need to see the rest of you guys. He's like, you got the spot. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? What? And um, so he get, we get in the ring. He goes, all right, let me see you throw it on Braun here. I, I, I've never met Braun. I, I'm looking at him like, hi. I throw a punch, boom. And, and Arn goes, good. You, you still threw the same punch. He's like, so that wasn't a fluke back there. <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was like, thank you. And he goes, yeah, okay. You guys will have a match. He's like, we're doing this thing every week. But this was the idea. It was a pretty cool idea. Every week they were going to um, have, ex- you know, and they did for a while have extra talent say their last words before Braun kills them. Those are your last words before you go to the execution chamber. Like that <laughs> promo, I got, the, I got the cut. So that was their idea. Every week we'll get local talent and we'll say their last words before Braun executes them. So they told me idea. I'm like, well, okay, this is I was like, this is cool, but at the same time, he's executing me, so I'll never be seen on here again. So I better make this good because it'll be my one match in WWE that I got to talk, and I got to be on roll, that I could show my kids when they're older. Like, hey, look, your daddy was on WWE once. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it just, and everything started slowly progressing uh, that day from there. So you, you have this squash match with Braun, and you go to the back, and how are you received when you go to the back after that match? Dude, it was it was crazy. So, uh, I'll rewind before the match. I'm standing in Gorilla, and Sasha Banks just won her first women's title, uh, Raw Women's title. And I'm standing in Gorilla, and they said, "Hey, before your match, you'll go down the side steps of Gorilla, walk around through the crowd to um, through the timekeeper's uh, position, and into the ring." So I remember, like, I'm a big fan of Sasha Banks' work. I like, I think she's amazing. Like, I think she's top three best wrestlers there wrestlers including everybody and um so i'm sitting there like i'm nervous because i've never been on raw in front of you know ten thousand people or whatever was in pittsburgh that night and so i'm like nervous but then i'm like watching her match maybe it was charlotte she was wrestling i can't remember but i'm watching this match and i'm like and charlotte went and um and sasha wins and i'm like oh that's cool and then she comes up to the grill position with the title and like Stephanie Man's hugging her, Triple H is hugging her. And I'm enjoying this moment, right? I'm like, this is cool, right? And yeah. like, hey, you got to get out there. You got to get out there. And I completely forgot to go down to the steps and around to the crowd and into the ring. I walked down the ramp. So there's a reason for this story later. I walked around the ramp. And I get in the ring. The referee goes, oh, you know, you're supposed to go through the crowd. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, you know, I'm sitting there and, um, it's a commercial break and Jojo's in the ring and Jojo's like, hi, how are you? <laughs> like, this just so nonchalant. I'm like, hi, you know, about to get destroyed here. <laughs> like, and, um, yeah. So then they had Byron Saxon, who I love. He gets in a ring, lights come on and we do a, uh, promo for television. And I say all the lines and the any man with two hands line was a line. I came up myself who I asked Jimmy Jacobs, who was the writer for that promo that day. I was like, can I say this line? It's just an idea that popped in my head. Cause I know I'm hitting them twice. So can I say any man with two hands has a fighting chance? And he goes, yeah, he's like, definitely. That's a good line. He can say, it. he's like, no problem. Like, 
I, I guess it was like, yeah, whatever. Say what you want. <laughs> you know, he was great. Jimmy Jacobs is awesome, by the way. So do the match. Um, like I, I say the promo and, and in my head, I go, man, I think I went well. I think I did a good job there. Like, that's what I'm thinking. The Braun gets in the ring. And I'm like, all right, what do I need to do? Oh, he needs to do this, this, and this to me. And every, you know, when you're on TV, the camera's right up on you. So they yeah. got to lay it in. They got to lay it in. So there's a point in the match where he, he, he has me bent over and he, Climbs me in the chest, and it looks like I take this beautiful bump. That wasn't a bump; that was actually me falling down. Because that club in the chest, still to this day, was the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. Wow! Uh, yeah, and which I mean, he has to. It's TV. This is his debut. You better lay it in. You better make it look good. And he did. And so we get through the match, and you know, the referee's checking on me after the match because I just got murdered. You know, everything he did, I felt, and. The referee's like, you okay? You okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, again, got to go to the side of the ramp, not through Gorilla, to the side. So I get backstage, and Arn's like, hey, kid, you did a great job. He goes, uh, he's like, Vince wants to see you. And I'm going, oh, crap. Vince McMahon himself is going to yell at me for walking down the ramp and not through the crowd. Right. So I'm, like, scared. I'm, like, so I'm like taking, like, the slowest walk to Gorilla I could take. And I get there, and I see Vince coming down the steps and Gorilla. He's like, hey, hey, come here, James. Come here. I'm like, oh, hi. And I'm, like, scared. And I, I almost, like, apologized to him about walking down the ramp before he could say a word. I go, hey, sir. He goes, hey, hey, great job. Great job, pal. He goes, I'll be in touch with you. It shakes my hand. And Triple H goes, he's serious. He'll be in touch with you. And I'm like, what? So Wow. So then I just go to catering and I sit down, you know, and everybody's coming up, telling me how good of a job I did. And I'm kind of like being cool about it. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm eating and Braun comes up, gives me a big bear hugs. Man, you, you did great, man. Thank you so much. I said, no, thank you. And you know, I'm keeping my cool. And I'm like, you know, all this is happening so fast, you know? And I'm like, well, what is going on? Like, <laughs> I couldn't grasp it myself. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what, what is has happened and then i mean vince kept his word he kept in touch with me and it wind up turning to everything it did i think it's safe to say a lot of things have changed in 2020 including how we work businesses across the globe now are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time. There's no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria so you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job. This makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit today at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer that you will find anywhere. So go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. 
The offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And football is back in full swing, baby. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures. You can do this all day, every day. So head to Bet Online and take advantage of their great sign-up bonuses. Just make sure you use the code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about Nia Jax. You said that you you had a story about that, too. So the uh, girl that they wind up picking that day was Britt Baker. Wow. Yeah, so which I, I think something happened where they locked up and Nia threw and this wasn't Nia's fault. Okay, I just want to but like, you know, fake bump, you gotta turn your head. And I think Britt, I love Britt, by the way. She's doing an outstanding job on television. I'm glad she got a spot and I'm glad they turned her heel because she's doing amazing. And I, I've knew Britt for a l- little while. I think for I've known Britt for about five years now, so I'm very happy for her. But yeah, like I don't know, something happened where she took a face bump and hurt her face or something. And what Nia's fault. I know Nia has this like stupid reputation or whatever for her, but she didn't hurt it. But I, I always remember that was Brit that day. Cause now Brit's doing a very good job on television. And like I said, I'm very happy for her, but so it was me and Britt Baker who got picked that day out of everybody. So I think those producers there know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. So they, you know, Vince said he'd be in touch. How long did you have to wait until he was in touch again? Uh, so the next day I went to the SmackDown um, in Buffalo, New York. Cause that, when you're an extra talent, you do all, all the TVs. We did the pay-per-view the day before, then we did Raw. The pay-per-view was in DC. The Raw was in Pittsburgh, and then SmackDown was in Buffalo, New York. And so when we walked, like, it, that day was crazy, too. So I get out of the car, and I, like, I'm walking in the arena past fans, and they're like, hey, James Ellsworth, hey, James. I'm like, oh, I guess they watched last night. That's cool. Like, and that's the first time, like, I got recognized as James Ellsworth, you know, because after the show in Pittsburgh, I just got in my car, and we drove to Buffalo. And so that was weird. And then when I walk in, one of the camera guys, the head camera guy there, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you're going to be a star. And I think they're all just revving me. I'm sure. like, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever. They're just making fun of me getting killed last night. Whatever. So, you know, that day, like a lot of SmackDown guys were like, hey, we watched you last night. Like Ziggler. I remember Ziggler distinctively came up to me. He's like, hey, you did a great job last night, kid. Very good. I was like, man, that's cool. And then I'm skipping something. On the car ride to Buffalo, one of the referees there, uh, Derek Moore, good friend of mine for years. Um, he called me when I was on my ride to Buffalo. He's like, Hey, um, Chris Jericho wants to talk to you. I'm like what? And Chris Jericho got on the phone. He said, dude, he's like, I was kind of making fun of you. when we saw you on TV. I'm like, who's this guy? What, what's he doing in here? Like, he's going to get killed. And he's like, you really did a good job. He's like, I'm really impressed with how good you did. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. And then Enzo Amore got on the phone. He's like, dude, I was in gorilla. He said, the way Vince is going to was reacting to you. He's like, I feel like he's going to sign you. He said, so I'm just I'm going to be the first to congratulate you. He's like, because you're going to get signed. And I'm wow. And I'm just thinking this is a rib. I really am. I'm like, oh, thanks, guys. That, I thought it was like my referee buddy having these guys rib me, right? Which Derek's a great guy, and um, he's still refereeing there until this day. So, yeah, the SmackDown thing happens. Next day, I go to work with um, 
with the people with special needs. I, I go to work and I'm sitting there at work and I get an email from WWE. And they're like, hey, can we um, do an interview with you for WWE.com? I'm like, cool. So I do the interview for WWE.com and we just, you know, basically the same questions we're doing here. What do I do for a living? All that. So I do that. And then the next day I get a call or an email and it goes, hey, can you be at Raw Monday? I'm like, yeah, if you guys need me, sure. Like for the next Monday. And so that was Thursday um, of that week. And then the next day, Friday, you're like, hey, never mind. You just got killed by Strowman. Like, we got to give it a few weeks before we bring you back. But when I say, when I see those words, before we bring you back, I'm like, something's got, like, I've been watching wrestling my whole life. You got to remember. Yeah. Something's going on here. Like, this is, it, now I'm starting to think this might, this might be my chance. Like, this might be it. And, you know, they would email me every week, like, ideas. Like, that, that particular role the week after, they were going to have Chris Jericho bring me out dressed as Enzo because they were, I think him and Kevin Owens were fuming with Enzo and Kaz at the time. Right. And he, they were going to beat me up, like dressed as Enzo. <laughs> and so that didn't happen. Let um, me hit the button. You must uh, be getting a lot of phone calls during yeah, this. Yeah, man. My, it never stops. Right? Jeez, your phone is in popular <laughs> mode. <laughs> like, I think my friends just like talking to me. I don't know. But uh, so, yeah, that didn't happen. And then th- they were doing this thing where Heath Slater didn't get drafted by Raw or SmackDown. So then the major idea that never happened was originally I was going to wrestle Heath Slater at SummerSlam and the winner gets a SmackDown contract and I was going to win. That was the original <laughs> idea to bring me in and, and, wow. get me in. and then Heath started getting over his baby face doing that. So they're like, ah, well, you're both baby faces. We can't do that. And that yeah. I got bummed out because, uh, you know, I only had just did the Braun Strowman match up to then. I was like, man, I could have been on SummerSlam. Now I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> bummed out i'm telling my friends i was like they were gonna use me for SummerSlam." they're like yeah whatever. you know they're starting to like be like whatever so it took six weeks but finally six weeks after that first raw appearance they brought me in um to philadelphia which is cool for me only an hour and a half from my house and they did the angle where aj was looking for a partner but nobody wanted to team with him so daniel bryan who was a general manager at the time made me his partner and I was walking out. I had my entrance and then the Miz beat me up and the Miz wound up being his partner. So that night they go, Hey, we're going to bring you back next month. And you're going to be in this uh, involved in the Miz Ziggler rivalry. Like they were feuding over the intercontinental title at the time. Yeah. So like you're, and I was like, that's why we have Miz beat you up. We're going to do a match with you and the Miz, you know, and, and I Miz that night. He's like, Hey man, can't wait to wrestle you. It'll be fun. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. So they brought me back a month later. And they did the same idea they had, they were going to do with Miz and Ziggler, just with AJ and and Ambrose Moxley. They, they, it was the same. So they just instead of wrestling the Intercontinental Champion, I was wrestling the WWE Champion. <laughs> and it just man, it, it, it all just happened so fast and slow at the same time. Like those, <laughs> like those six weeks were the slowest six weeks of my life. Checking my email nonstop. Still doing indie shows, still working my regular job, not getting ahead of myself at all. Sure. Still doing indie, still doing my regular job in case it don't work out for whatever yeah. reason. And, you know, very fortunate and just a blessing in the sky for me, it, it did work out. But you had that title match with AJ Styles before you were actually signed to WWE. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, we knew we, like, they already had told me, like, hey, you're going to get, you know, we're just, we don't know if we're going to get you give you one or two years. We're just trying to figure that out. You are getting signed. So, wow. you know, like, 
And so they, they told me that pretty early on. They just couldn't figure if it was going to be one or two years. And I'm like, and I'm going, man, I'm, I'm pretty smart about this stuff, man. I'm like, Hey, well, can I, do I have to move to Florida? Can I, you know, go to NXT? Like I wanted to go to NXT. Like the thing is the people, like, you know, a lot of people go, Oh man, well, he never went to NXT. He never went to the performance center. I'm sad that I did like, Yes, I had a great run at WWE, but if you go through the Performance Center and you go onto NXT, like they have time and money invested in you. Mm-hmm. So you got a job as long as you stay cool, you got a job forever. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I and I knew that. I'm like, and and I remember them telling me, no, 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 NXT, you're here on the main roster. And I'm like, well, without, well, they have nothing for me. I'm like, hey, can I go to NXT? I will move to Florida. I will go to Performance Center every day. So, like, I think there was, like, some envy there from people when I first got there. Like, ah, oh, he didn't go through the Performance Center. But I'm envy of the people that did. You know, not only did he get the best learning experience in wrestling ever. Yeah. They got, they got job security. Because if someone has time and money invested in you, like me, I was kind of the guy that got over out of nowhere that they sold some T-shirts off of. You know what I mean? Like... And then my job was to get Carmelo over. You know, it's it is what I understood that man. I was man, like I, I would have loved to went down there. I would have busted my ass, but it wasn't in the cards for me. Like they they were just trying to figure out if they gave me a year or two contract, and they wind up did, um, giving me two years. Well, James, there's a lot of guys who work squash matches, and very very few and girls, very very few of them get signed. So what was different? What was different about you that made you? realize there was something made them realize there was something in you you know what to me i just think i looked like the ultimate jobber i had the slick back <laughs> blonde hair right and black tights with red boots you know what i mean like and you know i'm not in terrible shape but i'm not a great shape you know what i mean and i'm trying to fight and you know i'm the little guy that's trying to fight you I, I just look like, you know, the, the first guy you fight in, in the video game, Punch-Out. You know, it's just like the... That's right. Slick Joe. No, Glass Joe. Glass Joe. And <laughs> I think that's what it was. I looked like the perfect job guy. You know what I mean? And then the promo. I really... Man, dude, like I always say, my best match ever was that match with Braun mm-hmm. Strowman. Yeah, it was a squash match, but I really, like, I felt like I cut the best promo in my life that day. And I felt like I sold in that match better than I've ever sold in any match ever in my life. Like I, mm. I feel like that was a grand slam. There, there's there's singles, there's doubles, there's triples, there's home runs, and there's grand slam. That might have been my only grand slam ever. Wow. And I, and I think that's what did it. Like I just looked like the ultimate jobber. I cut this uh, this promo with the you, you remember the enemy man with two hands very memorable and then i'm just taking this butt whip in and i think there was you know vince just saw something it was because it was him like a lot of people say oh it was the people on the internet it was the memes that no it was vince vince saw it like i said as soon as i got to the back he told me he was gonna be in touch with me and it just something he saw right away and i'm very very fortunate of that and i'll always love Vince McMahon for, you know, for, for the opportunity that he gave me for sure. And I know you sent another interview that the original plan, or at least your idea was that you wanted to interrupt the men's money in the bank ladder match and cost, you know, the, the, the briefcase there. How did this get spun around so that it was the women's match and Carmella? No, it was always the women's match. I, um, I, I, again, it was a Vince idea. He just like, the thing is, 
a lot and again the internet like we always had that second money in the bank planned like when we got to the building that day and they told um carmel and i and the rest of the girls what was going on they're like hey james is going to help her win this is the way we're doing it and then two weeks later on smackdown we'll have the rematch and redo it because it's it this will create controversy and we'll pop a rating on smackdown off of it doing the second one which it all worked to a t but i remember i think this is what you're talking about i i remember when i was climbing the ladder that night in st louis like you go back and watch the crowd's going nuts yeah i think they wanted me to grab the briefcase the, the crowd and run with it and take off with it and i just have it now right Which would have been hilarious by the way <laughs> and and you know, I think that's because as soon as I dropped it to uh, Carmella, they started booing, which is what we wanted. You know, sure. we wanted we wanted heat on Carmella. Carmella's not she's not easy to boo. She does a great job with her promos as a heel, fantastic job with the promos as a heel. But she comes off as very cool, very you know, like you know, and the guys like her, and the girls think she dresses nice, and she's not easy to boo. Like you want to like her. You know, so they and this is the workers. first ever women's ladder match, women's yeah. money in the bank match. This, this, I mean, that's the cherry on top here. Yep. So, man, we got our heat right there. And I remember walking out at SmackDown that Tuesday and just they booed us out of the building. And especially me, like the heat was supposed to be more on her, but it was my fault. You know what I mean? I'm the one. So they booed me and booed me and booed me. And, you know, I hate questioning booking and all that stuff, but I thought we were on fire right there white hot yeah, they, yeah. Did, they, they did an angle where like i got suspended for a month like daniel they had daniel bryan suspend me for a month which didn't make sense because what are you going to do to this guy that keeps interrupting everything so it, it made sense but i'm like man this is our heat though like we're, yeah. we're white hot right now is heels and you know i'd like I should have been quiet there, but like, I really, really, you felt those reactions every night at the house shows, every TV, you felt that heat. I'm like, man, we have something special here. I thought, and yeah, that was definitely probably my biggest moment. WWE meaning that's where, that's where I'll be remembered the most is for that moment. I think. Yeah. Um, and so it's very special to me. And it, 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 it went down so good that particular night that was well executed, well booked, well-written and I props to everybody involved. It was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you had a great thing going with Carmella. I was so surprised when you got released. Were you also surprised? Yeah. Then you start, I, I mean, I, yeah. Cause I, I felt like I got over as baby face when I needed to. And I got over as a heel when I needed to, but the crowd was always, it goes back to the crowd was always making noise when I was out there. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what yeah. we want? Isn't that what it's supposed to be, right? Like, even the week before I got released, the week before I got released, I wrestled Becky on SmackDown. You go back and watch that match. And all these chants were directed towards me. They were chanting, where's your chin? Becky's going to kill you. Ellsworth sucks. Like, like big reactions, you know? And I'm like, so when they released me, I was upset. I was crying. I mean, you, you lose your dream job. And I'm questioning why. And, you know, I'm like, what? Then I go, maybe it's because... Carmella has the briefcase right now, and they don't really need me because she has the briefcase. That's her heat is the briefcase. Sure. And I said, maybe we'll bring me back when she needs me. I thought that right away. Like, so I was like, you know what? Deep breath. I was like, I'll go out of the indies. I'll have fun. You know, um, 20% left on the phone there. So I was like, I'll go out in the indies. I'll have fun. And I swear to you, man, Chris, right away, I was like, I'll be back. 
And I was like, I'll be back sooner than later. Like, I felt that. I just felt it. And, I mean, they brought me back seven months later. That's all it was. Seven months later, they brought me back, and I um, came back at Money in the Bank and helped Carmella beat Asuka. Then they used me for a couple of months there. And uh, my last appearance was um, I did a WWE.com exclusive for SmackDown 1000 in October 2018. Originally, uh, I was supposed to wrestle Daniel Bryan on that show, and AJ was supposed to be the referee. Like, th- like they were going to do to uh, Daniel Bryan what, what uh, Daniel Bryan did to AJ. Yeah. Because remember, he made uh, mock of Ambrose the referee when I wrestled AJ. Right. And if I won the match, because, you know, a couple of weeks prior, uh, Paige had fired me on SmackDown. That's, that was my last time. So if I would have won that match, I'd get my job back. And AJ's the referee. And that's how I might win because AJ's the referee and they're feuding at the time. So, it's, you know, you get to the building and plans change. And I'm like, man, I just really wanted to wrestle Daniel Bryan because I respect him so much. And he's, you know, again, top three wrestler in the world. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, man, I, I thought the character had legs, but everybody probably thinks that. <laughs> when they, when they leave, right? Everybody's probably like, why are they doing this to me? I could do so much more. But I really thought... That character was so different from everyone else. Like, yeah, dude, going forward in my career, even now, like, I want to be like the next Bobby Heenan or Jimmy Hart or Jim Cornette, but sort of, um, more so a Bobby Heenan, where when the heat got so hot, you could put Bobby in a match because he was a wrestler. Yeah, you know, so that's that's what you know. That's what my goal is going forward is to be like that mouthpiece. You know, just heal that. You know, when the heat gets hot, then now I'm in a match because now I got to eat crap, right? Yeah, I think that's where the James Ellsworth character would work the best going forward. Anywhere, like I, I think there's a lot to, uh, left to do with, with Ellsworth in that position. I mean, it's a weird time in the world right now, but are you still holding out hope that WWE is going to reach out and book you in another program? Well, you never know. I mean, you never give up hope. Like I, dude, I the way I look at it. I had my time there. I loved every minute of it. I had a run that I'll never have again. I'll most likely, I don't see myself ever beating the world champion again or ever <laughs> crazy stuff like that. So I'm very grateful for my run. I'm very blessed that I had it. And anything that to me that happens going forward is extra credit. Right. Mm. And, and I'm, you know, I'm willing to listen to anybody. I'm willing to do what needs to be done to, you know, move forward. But yeah, like I, I do think, like I said, my goal is to be like that next real good heel, you know, manager that takes bumps and that gets, you know, we don't really have a lot of that right now. Yeah. Like, I, I like feel Paul like Heyman is great, right? Paul Heyman is great spokesman for whoever he's met. And he's, I mean, him and Roman Reigns are the best thing on television right now, in my humble, humbled opinion. Like Roman Reigns is killing it. Paul, but Paul Heyman's not getting beat up a lot. You know, every now and then he'll take a bump and it yeah. does mean a lot when he takes a bump. But just to have that guy, like on the house shows, I would get bumped every night. The crowd would go nuts. And I'm like, this is what the Ellsworth character is supposed to be. Like this, yeah. this idiot that's trying to interfere and, and he eats crap at the end. You know, that's so going forward, I like to do something like that for sure. I think you'd be a really good fit in Impact. Did they ever reach out to you? Well, I did a little bit of Impact, um, which I love Scott Moore. He's a great guy. Um, when, I think in 2018, I did some live events with them. Uh, in california had a lot of fun you can find those on youtube had a lot of fun and i did bound for glory which I, again me just kind of i maybe i i feel like i'm smarter like i like uh, eli drake who i think's tremendous they bound for glory that year 
the crowd thought Chris Jericho was going to show up and face Eli Drake. And then it was just me. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm going to get crapped on. I'm not Chris Jericho. You know? I, cut, I wish I would have cut the promo because they were chanting Y2J. I would, like, you wanted Y2J? You got Y2J. Y2 James. I wish I would have said that. I thought about that afterwards. That would have been great. But, I mean, I, I'm – I'm not going to listen to anybody, man. Wrestling's fun for me. Like I said, I like performing on any level. It doesn't matter if it's in a barn in West Virginia in front of 25 people or at the Royal Rumble at San Antonio, Texas, at the Alamo Dome in front of 54,000 people, in front of 75,000 people at Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Like, uh, I've been in front of seven people. I've been in front of 75,000 people. Like, I just like to do it. I really genuinely like to use the art form of professional wrestling to perform and, and and that's you know just the biggest high I get in my life is that. Is the plan to be in wrestling for many years to come, or are you going to be looking for a quote unquote you know real job? <laughs> well, luckily for me, I saved all my money and I'm investing it, and I'll I'll always probably be my own boss other than the wrestling stuff. Yeah. I, I'm learning. I, I take the time to learn how to um, invest your money and do things that keep it going. Well, rather than just sit around like, well, I'm good for six years. I'll just sit here and watch TV. No, you don't want to do that because six yeah. years can come really quick. So I have two daughters that I I am responsible for taking care of. Um, so I, like I said, I look for ways to you know take what I've been blessed to to give from wrestling and invest it and keep it going rather than it just starts fading away. Like, I, I won't allow that to happen. If it ever came down to it, I would 100% get a real job if I needed to. You know right. what I mean? Because, you know, there's no such thing as job shame. If anybody's out there working, good for them because they're trying to uh, take care of themselves or their family. And that's what life's all about. Take care of your family first and foremost, then take care of yourself because you have to be around you 24-7. So you got to take care of yourself. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I will, you know, I'm only 36. I love the wrestling business. It's, I mean, obviously, it has its ups and downs. It's a roller coaster ride, you know, but um, I think I'll always be a part of it unless I get tired of it one day, which I am not right now. No. As we wrap things up here, you got engaged at Disney World, right? Was it Magic <laughs> Kingdom? Yes. What is the best ride at Magic Kingdom? Space Mountain. Woo! Right? <laughs> Oldest ride. Woo! Longest line. And ain't that the truth? That day I got engaged, an hour and 15 minute wait for Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and her um her 30th birthday is coming up in February. I want to take her to Disney World then. We haven't been since we got engaged. We're right now we're looking to get married in the summer of 2021. Um she get so, married at Disney World. We we you know we have a Planned the wedding at all? We 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 picked out. Hey, we're gonna get married in the summer. We've done that, but we haven't at all planned it. Or I mean, of course, the pandemic happens. You don't know how many people you're allowed to have at the wedding. Who's allowed to be there? Where you can have it? It all that nonsense. So we cut. We just kind of been chilling for now. Um, we live together, and uh, she's tremendous. She's really made me the best version of myself, and. Um, I really needed it. So she, uh, love her to death, man. I don't want to get too teary out of her, but she's, she's all beautiful. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, out of my league. <laughs> I've got people say it all the time. I just laugh at it. Cause I know. I'm like, yeah. I've known her though. Um, for nine years, we've always been friends 
And, um, yeah, she's tremendous. So I'm very fortunate and blessed to have her. I know that Gilberg means a lot to you. He's a very close friend of yours. And he just recently had a heart attack. How is he doing right now? Uh, he's doing a lot better. It, I mean, he had chest pains for two weeks prior to the heart attack. So he went to the ER a week before he had the heart attack. And I guess they just gave him some medication, sent him on his way. <laughs> so the chest pains continue. And he went back um, a week later. And they told him they they got there and he's in like a lot of pain and they rushed him to to the uh, I guess the room where they take care of that the surgery room and after it was all said and done they told him if you would have been here about twenty twenty five minutes later we wouldn't have been able to save you that's how bad it was wow so so now he has two stents in his heart and and Gilbert he um Dwayne he had been doing construction for a job he can't do it ever again like they're telling him you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> like he's that bad of health. So, um, you know, we started this GoFundMe for him. If you look, go on GoFundMe and look up Gilbert, you'll find him. And just to help him out, uh, dude, I've known him my whole life. We're both from Baltimore, both had similar journeys to WWE, which is crazy. Cause I've yeah. known him. I've known him my whole life. He was friends with my, my family before uh, I ever knew him before I was ever born. So, uh, yeah, but he's doing better. And, Hopefully going forward, he'll be in better health. He's 62, so he should have a lot of life to live going, you know, left. I'm going to leave a link to that GoFundMe down below in the description. So anybody that wants to help out Dwayne, you know, the link is down below there. And man, that's so scary to think that he was possibly 20 minutes away from it all being over. It's just, man, like I, I said earlier in the interview, like, you know, every day is a blessing. Don't waste days because you just, you don't know, man. You don't know when your number's up and you just got to enjoy your life. <laughs> enjoy it. You know, all the negativity going on in the world, all the things he said, she said, and this and that. Like, screw all that. Like, enjoy your life because you don't know. You, you, get, you can't just sit there and go, oh, well, you know, I'm going to make it to 80. You don't know that. You might not make it to 40. <laughs> you have no clue. It's not up to you. So, yeah, he's 62 and you know, he, he, it was almost over for him that quick. I love hearing how much gratitude you have throughout this whole interview. You talk about how grateful you are for so many different situations. And I say all the time, in fact, I'm wearing the t-shirt, be great, be grateful. So I want to end this interview. I end every interview like this. I want to know what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Oh, that's easy. So number one, my, my children and their health, very healthy kids. Uh, my fiance, and then number three, just, I don't know, three is probably a hard one. Just, I'm grateful to be um, blessed to be where I'm at in life. I'm very blessed to have a house and be, you know, financially stable. And I'm very blessed, that, I guess, to narrow it down, to be in the position I am in life. I'm very luck- lucky, for sure. I really appreciate this conversation. It's just so fascinating hearing your entire journey. I really appreciate you making the time to do this. Yeah, man, you've always been cool. I appreciate you. I wish my teeth were as pretty as yours. Look at that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good lighting. It's just good lighting. I, I, you know, I don't, you know, I save my money. Like I said, I can go get a beautiful pair of teeth like that too, but I just don't. Hey, these are my real like teeth. <laughs> well, I mean, but you've taken care of them for sure. I've got mine knocked out the last 18 and a half years. <laughs> yeah, give us a big smile. We can compare. No, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not. <laughs> Great, though. All right, Good brother. Week. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. Take care. God bless. Stay safe.
Well, there you have it, James Ellsworth. And again, I'm going to link to Gilbert's GoFundMe in the description of this episode if you feel so inclined to donate to that. And you may have noticed over the last month or so, I've been ending these interviews by asking my guests the three things that they're grateful for in their life right now. I'm always so interested to hear what they say, but I'm also secretly hoping that as they're giving their answers, you're also thinking about what you're grateful for in your own life. Because I get that 2020 has been a strange year for a lot of people. And, you know, it's been a difficult one, but there's always something to be grateful for. And I think, unfortunately, we don't highlight that enough. So I'm hoping that as you hear these answers, you're going, oh, you know what? I'm really grateful for my, you know, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, parents. I'm so grateful for my parents. My parents have been married for 46 years. That great. 46 years. I think they should be on the show. What do you think? Helen and Dirk Van Vliet. Oh, that'd be great. I think we should do this. We'll do this next year. So I'm reading a fascinating book right now called Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. And she has a line in there that I think can be applied to interviews and also life in general. Because I'm always blown away when people give me the compliment that I listen in these interviews. I actually let the guests talk. And the quote here is, the best conversations aren't about what you say. They're about what you hear. So true. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We will see you on the next one.